Hey, Vasquez. Have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? <laughs> oh, Vasquez. All right, guys, here we go. The next seminar, April 14th through the 16th. That only has five spots left. So if you're planning to come to that and haven't signed up, don't delay because it's going to sell out. After that, June 9th through the 11th, then August 11th through the 13th. For training camps, we have two self-sufficient lifter camps going on, one on May 13th in Wichita Falls and one on May 20th in Omaha, Nebraska at Testify Strength and Conditioning. Seoul, South Korea has two camps going on, both in the same day, both April 9th, starting off with a squat camp in the morning and then finishing with a deadlift and power clean camp in the afternoon. If you sign up for both those at the same time, you do get a $40 discount. For squat and deadlift camps with spots still available, we have Beaverton, Oregon at Starting Strength Beaverton on March 18th. Then March 19th in Queens, New York, Baltimore, Maryland at 5x3 on April 30th, and Singapore at Hygieia Strength on June 18th. We still have spots available for our first ever camp in Mexico. That's on March 25th in Guadalajara. And then we have a three-lift camp going on in Brussels, Belgium on April 22nd. That's covering the squat, the press, and deadlift at Brussels Barbell. Starring Strength Gyms continues to look for talent, so if you think you'd be interested in making folks harder to kill, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com, check out the coaching tab, and see what the criteria is. Plenty of spots available for the right candidate. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. How are you? Can't hear anything. Are you asking me and Nick? No. Oh. I know how you are. Okay. <laughs> asking them, they're not saying a damn thing. Now, maybe they're all right. Let's hope so. I hope everybody's always all right. You know, if they're listening to us, they have to be okay. Well, they'll be better when they get through. There you go. That's all that can be said about that. All right, now today we're going to talk about training your kids because we know that's forefront on your mind if you're a responsible parent. Training your kids comes up all the time, but first we got a couple of things we have to take care of, and. The first of those things we have to take care of is, of course, our popular segment that we call Comments, Comments. From, from, from the Heaters. The heaters. <laughs> All right, now. I'll just let you be the judge of the quality of these this week. First up is a, uh, a comment on a video from years ago from Making a Shake with Rip and Katya. It's classic. Classic. You know, it's yeah. a wonderful diet orange. And root beer. It was a, it was a, it really, was a root beer version yeah. of it. Diet orange and whey protein isolate protein drink. Yep. Katya's doing good from what I see on the internet. Really? I had 
Hadn't talked to her in a while. She calls me every once in a while. No, that's nice. Uh, so this one says, uh, Christ all fucking mighty. <laughs> How in the ever loving fuck does any, does it take almost nine God forsaken minutes to showcase this garbage? Just put a scoop of whey in a glass of milk for crying out loud. Good. Well, I'd have a really we good. didn't want to put a <laughs> scoop of whey in a glass of milk. It'd be a pretty boring this, video, man. <laughs> I mean, that that occurred to a dumb son of a bitch like you. <laughs> See? And we're above that. All right. All right. Now, next, of course, is a, a person who is equally as dense. No, maybe more so. Maybe more dense than that. This is Wayne Knoll. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who says, is that a typo on your website, or do you guys really have the balls to sell a block of wood for $399? <laughs> no, it is not a typo. And it goes on from there. <laughs> Better yet, who in the hell was stupid enough to pay that for what they could have bought at Lowe's or Home Depot for less than $25? LMAO, which is <laughs> internet for laughing my ass off. Right. right? right. Yeah. It is sold out. It's sold out. It's sold out. What does that tell you? We threw it up there and it's right. sold out. We sold all of them. The market has spoken, man. <laughs> Better yet, you can go wander around any place where they're building houses and probably pick up a usable tubo from the scrap heap. So he's um, wanting you to steal? He's wanting you to find the house they're building with a 4 by 12 <laughs> 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 There aren't a lot of houses around. They're made out of four by twelve. Things ever get blown over. All right. Uh, damn, and you get pissed off at guys who are selling templates. I have to applaud you, Mark, if you actually found people who paid that much for a block of wood. That's great, man. Hey, I wonder if he they're sold out, Wayne. What can I tell you? You know. It was the commercial. Remember the commercial we did for it? Yeah. Man, that was... That's that, what sold it. Compelling. That might be one of the best editing jobs I've ever done. Yeah. God, yeah. It, it, you know, and it's, you know, of course it all comes back to right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Wayne is a sharp motherfucker. <laughs> all right. Somebody by the name of B.H. says here. Rip doesn't look like he jogs. This is from the Why You Should Not Be Running audio only. Rip doesn't look like he jogs. Well, good. <laughs> I don't want to look like something, that. Not something to That's aspire on to. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I'd rather have a little belly than abs. I know that's hard for you guys to understand, but I'd really rather have a little belly and enjoy what I eat and drink than you narcissistic fucks. Yeah. Who, well, how many guys do you know that jog and still have bellies, though, too? You know? No, yeah. Everybody. So not only, yeah, not only are they, are they, do they have bellies, and, but they, you know, they're jogs, weak. If you <coughs> are still under the impression that your belly has something to do with your running, <laughs> then maybe you're running 60 miles a week or something like that. Or health, but, for that matter. Or anything else yeah. of any relevance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just jog. That's fine. All right. Now, here's one uh, by the, a guy by the name of Gary. 
who has heroically stepped up to defend <laughs> the uh, ladies that attend our seminar. He says, Rip crossed the line when he repeated this n- to the floor line when ladies were in a seminar. There was a lady. Oh, he was there. And I, I don't know if he's here or if he uh, saw a video or something like that. Okay, yeah. Maybe there was a video. It's a training with a hangover. Starting strength network previous. What the hell? I don't remember that. He's just so mad he had to comment. <laughs> he had to comment on, on something. a video. There was a lady, and you could see her unease. <laughs> because only ladies have The N-word. The N-word. <laughs> In fact, I don't have to go on the list of shit I don't say anymore, I suppose. Do you want me to bleep out every time you say <laughs> Oh, that's Yeah. When I say you put a, like right now, <laughs> with some kind of fuzz in yeah. it. Make sure you only you only beep after n. See how it's going to sound from now on? Okay. <laughs> Here Jacques Orr says, obviously a Frenchman. Of course. He says, this is about the squat. I guess that's a. Oh, that was a YouTube short. YouTube the, short. The YouTube the short. The squat. Yeah. He says, dumb. <laughs> that's, all, that's it. Dumb. That's all he said. All right. Now. Dirtiest Dan P says, and this is about the trap bar. Got to have a trap bar everywhere. Yeah, of course. This video made me lose so much respect for him. Mm. <clears throat> How unfortunate. I forgot this was the reason I'd stopped watching his content. Mm. So he lost he, more he, respect. He lost respect. He regained respect. Then lost it And again. then lost it again. Uh, yeah. Tragic. Sounds like a serious problem for dirtiest Dan P. Uh, God damn, we got to follow up on it. I think it's going to be kettlebells. Yeah. I can't think of anything that would... Yeah, I can't think of anything more stupid than kettlebells. You've got some ideas. Or more widely revered, you know. More widely revered as the be-all and end-all of strength training. Yeah. Something you can do for 10 minutes, boys and girls. Well, never mind. All right, now. <laughs> save it for the video. Yeah, I'll save it. <laughs> and, and the last comment here is from a person by the name of Avelino Cuevas. Ah. Is that Spanish? Sounds like it, yeah. Is, might it be Brazilian? No. It's not Portuguese? I don't think so. Avelino Cuevas. Yeah, that's not Portuguese. That's our, well, I guess it could be, but fuck, I don't it's not know. weird enough. I don't know. I don't speak Portuguese. I don't speak Spanish either, but I know how to Sounds, say Spanish. Yeah. Your uh, your pronunciation's but impeccable. Textbook. Yeah. But uh it's like when Brazilian Portuguese, I've never heard it spoken. I don't know what it sounds like. I don't It sounds like shit. Does it? It's terrible. It's a guttural sounding. Yeah. It sounds like the Quebecois speaking French. <laughs> yeah. The barking yeah. of dogs. <laughs> That's what the French say about quebecers that are speaking french they say the barking of dogs oh, shit. It's, uh, it's offensive <laughs> it, it is to the french 
right? So Avelino says, don't bash functional workout because your stomach is just like a gasuled tank. G-A-S-U-L. Gazul. Gazul tank. What is that? That's the functional training is a waste of everybody's time Man, video. Let's, uh, let's Google What's that. a gazul tank? You know, the functional turn... training is a waste of everybody's time. How come that has the same thumbnail picture as the trap bar? No, it video? doesn't. Does here. The trap bar. Does right here. The trap bar is is a uh, parking lot. <clears throat> parking lot trash can. The functional training one is somebody hanging from a... Mm-hmm. From a, what do you call it? A Not here. Oh, that may just be a copy-paste situation. See, it's a copy. I don't know. That's yeah. probably a copy. I don't, I don't do these. This is uh, this is one of the other, uh, you know, one of em- the, uh, employees, one of the production staff here has produced this in a, uh, I, I don't know. How did he spell gazool? G-A-S-U-L. Gazool. Is that Spanish for gasoline? No, it's definitely not. Uh, I didn't think it was. Oh, look at oh, this. It's, it's a petrol it's, tank. It's a petrol tank. Liquefied petroleum gas in the <clears throat> Philippines. It's a so Filipino. this is a Filipino, Filipino. Spaniard. Yep. Yeah. Ah. So he's not even. He's not even a Spanish yeah. Spaniard. He's a Filipino Spaniard. Yeah. He's not a Mexican. Not a Mexican. He's not a Central American. So he's that, not Argentinian. Is that just propane? He's not Chilean. It's just gas. He's not from the Galapagos Islands. He's from the Philippines. Yeah. Well, now that is interesting. What a piece of sleuth work you have done here. That's excellent. All right. So, I suppose in the absence of any other waste paper on the desk here, that concludes this week's installment of Comments. Comments. From, from, from the haters. Fantastic. You know, you know what we haven't done in a minute is uh, ask a Jew something. Well, let's you let's, do that. Let's rectify that. Okay. Let's see if rectify I can, that. See if I can get one. See if you can find a Jew. Let me go through the uh, go through the list of Jews. Rolodex here. I'm sure, there's a joke there somewhere. Go through the list of Jews and see who's available. What do you want to bet it'll be Ray? <laughs> I'm calling 1-800-DIAL-A-JU. <laughs> See who answers. 1-800-DIAL-A-JU. You got your get your thingy in? Oh, yeah. I have to, since it's a telephone. <laughs> Yo, yeah? Hello, is All right, this 1-800-DIAL-A-JU? Oh, it's time for Ask a Jew. Hey, guys. Time for Ask a Jew. It's time now for this week's installment of Ask a Jew. Well, I'm a Jew. Here we are. Our friend Ray Gillenwater is here, and I've just got, I got one question for you, and I, I want you to give this some thought. And uh, this is a question on all right-thinking people's minds, and um, it's something everybody's been interested in, and uh, and it and and the question is is very simple: Why does everybody hate you people? Huh. I don't know. And that concludes this <laughs> installment of Ask a Jew. <laughs> Goodbye, Ray. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you, Ray. <laughs> well, now, <sighs> we, can, we can now get on to our actual topic. Why was that exhausting? I don't know. <laughs> All the laughter, I guess. I guess. Okay. <clears throat> At every seminar and on the all over the internet and on our forums and every time anybody talks to us about this the question comes up and uh you know a couple of a couple of repetitive questions come up uh one comes up all the time that 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 is basically look my mom is 75 and she needs to be lifting weights and i know she needs to be lifting weights but she doesn't want to and what do i how can I get my mom to lift weights or my dad or my uncle or whatever, you know, some older person I care about is that needs lift weights. I know they need lift weights. They don't understand it and they don't want to. So what do I do? And my response to that is of course, leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> leave your 75 year old <laughs> mother alone. She doesn't need your bullshit, you know. So you double her life expectancy from 80 to 85, all right? How much fun is she going to be having for those extra five years? Enough to justify you fucking with your mom? Leave her alone. She don't want to lift weights? Leave her alone. Yeah, especially if you annoy her every time you see her. Every time you you see her, you fuck with her about lifting weights? Guess what? The rest of her life, she's going to spend not wanting to see you, all right? And you don't want that. If you'll think about it, just enjoy the old woman's presence. And when she dies, she dies, all right? And if she is in bad health during that period of time, you help her as best you can. But you can't get people to do what you want them to do. You don't have that kind of power and authority, all right? So quit bothering your mom about lifting weights, all right? And you're not convincing enough either. No. I mean, you you aren't able to convince people in your life. I'm not able to convince people in my life. People pay us lots of money to do this for And we're them. professional convincers, and we can't do it. So <laughs> yeah. what makes you think you, some jerk-off listening to this program, <laughs> is going to be able to convince your mother to lift weights when she doesn't want to lift weights? Well, you're not going to be able to do that, so leave the woman alone, all right? So that, that question comes up all the time, all right? At least every seminar, we, we have at least one person in, in a group that wants to talk about their mom and how their mom needs to lift weights, and they've been unsuccessful in getting mom to lift weights, and mom won't lift weights, so what can I do? You can leave her the fuck alone. That's what you can do. Right. That's exactly what you ought to do. Now, the other situation is a completely different matter. All right, let's say you've got kids, and kids is a broad, broad topic now, isn't it? You've got kids, and the kids have expressed an interest in lifting weights, and you want to know what to do, All right? Well, it, it, it depends, and I hate to say that, but it, it just depends. Everything depends. Yeah. It depends on how old the kid is. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Rusty Holcomb is uh, rather famous. <laughs> for lots of things. For lots of things. <laughs> Among them, you know, his, his exquisite taste in tattoos. 
His feet? His feet. God. <laughs> Little size eight feet. <laughs> All right. You know, he's tasted women is pretty good, best I can tell. <laughs> yes. From but, what we know. But yeah. for for what yeah. <laughs> Our limited <experience. laughs> But, uh, Rusty, I'll have to say this, and being perfectly honest, Rusty is just about, in fact, he is the best coach of kids that I've ever worked with, all right? Now, don't get the fucking big head, Rusty, all right? But Rusty Cause, knows cause how to else, deal with kids. Because who else have you seen? Chase? And like a couple no, I've guys, been so, watching yeah. this for 47 years. Oh, I'm just fucking with Rusty. Right. <clears throat> well, yeah. He's better than Chase. <laughs> He's better than Chase. Because Chase is a kid, and Chase is still right, coaching right. his peers, and yeah. Rusty's not a kid. And Rusty knows how to deal with kids, and he knows how to deal with kids of all ages. He adjusts his behavior according to the kid, and he does it in a very, very appropriate way. And he knows how to, he knows how to train kids without overfacing them. He knows how to, how to challenge them and bring them along and make them train, actually train. But making kids train is different than adults training and there are several extremely important differences all right and we're going to just address these differences now when i say for purposes of this discussion right here training kids is when i say training kids i mean pre-adolescent kids i'm talking about eight-year-old kids all right eight-year-old kids can't train in the sense that you and i train they don't do incremental increases in weight very well because they can't recover because what is what is uh, grandly referred to as the hormonal milieu does not lend itself to that yet all right pre-adolescent kids don't have much testosterone you know uh so in other words, they don't they're not going to respond to an aggressive strength training program. They can't recover from an <coughs> aggressive strength to, program. <clears throat> right. Yeah. They can't recover because anabolic hormones are necessary to recover from an aggressive strength training program. This is true for girls and boys. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. If you're eight, you you don't need to be all right, so let's say your six year old kid comes to you and he wants to train because daddy's training. All right. Well, take him to the gym. Show him how to do the movements and make sure that he interprets what you're doing with him as play. All right. All right. So here, here's the morality of this situation. All right. If I'm entitled to speak about this, morality is that kids get to play. All right. When they get to be 19, 18, 20, responsibility takes precedence and they don't get to play like they did when they were eight all right when you're eight years old you get to play you ought to be able to play unless you live in the philippines where you you know, <laughs> you know where you got a you scratch for yeah. subsistence right <laughs> so you you've got uh you've got a duty to your kids to to you know not fuck with them and not not make them do the things that adults do prematurely there'll be time for all that shit later kids eight years old he wants to go with daddy to the gym 
show him how to squat with the empty bar, let him do a couple of sits, and then he's going to lose interest and go run off and fool around doing yeah. something else. You're That's not going to you're not going to make a star athlete by training them too early for training. You're not. This is probably the number one problem with people that bring their kids to the mm-hmm. gym. Yeah. They have these these ideas about the kid being a star athlete because they started training when they were 8 years right. old. Yeah. A kid is a star athlete because of genetics. Mm-hmm. This is true now, it's always been true. You're not going to change that fact by having the kid start training when he's 8. If the kid's not explosive, when he's eight, he's not going to be explosive when he's 18. The, the other component that matters is motivation and work ethic. But mm-hmm. but if you start forcing a kid to do something at a young age and you burn them out, they're going to hate that's going to go, that's going to go so away. Often. You see it all the time with all these gifted kids. You see it all the it. time in ballet. And they're not mm-hmm. worth a shit. Because and they don't, martial yeah. arts yeah. and all the traditional stuff that parents put their kids in yeah. and insist on – a lot of focus and serious attention being paid to this stuff when it's the parents that want this done, not the kids. Right. It, it's the parents living vicariously through their child. Yes. It, you that, take a, you that take happens a th- all the time. You take a thing that a kid is excited about and likes, and then you make it work, yeah. and then all of a sudden they don't like it anymore. So sure. you, you are solely responsible for ruining that child's interest in the thing that they liked doing. You know, <clears throat> yep. People forget that shit all the time. Yeah. Yep. I, you uh, know, I mean, piano lessons. Uh-huh. You know, if a kid is not interested in music, some people are some people are born with a whole bunch of musical ability. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like Joe Bonamassa mm-hmm. was playing the guitar at a high level when he was six. Yeah. Some people's nervous systems are set up for music, right? And if you've got a musical child and you put that kid in piano lessons, that's where they learn music theory is on a keyboard. You can't really learn music theory on an instrument like a trumpet or a clarinet or anything like that. You have to learn music theory on a keyboard. You could probably learn music theory on a guitar. But a keyboard is where all of this is learned. If the kid is interested in music, then put them in piano lessons. But don't keep them there if they complain about going. Now, this is this is a part that adults don't understand. Yeah. It? You know, kid doesn't want to go to piano lessons. Don't make him go to piano lessons. If he's not enjoying it, he's going to resent it. Mm-hmm. Before it's over with, he's going to resent it. And here is a person who would probably have stayed with music the rest of his life if you hadn't pissed him off about it when he was little. Mm-hmm. All right? Uh Your kid in the house is singing and singing in tune with the radio. His ears matching pitches, that sort of thing. Pay attention to that. That kid's got some musical talent. And ask him if he wants to learn how to play the piano. And then place him with a good children's teacher of the keyboard. And as long as he enjoys it, pay for the lessons. They will, they will return enormous dividends over that individual's life. Mm-hmm. To organize musical thinking, all right. Sports are the same way. 
if a kid is is good with his feet, he's good with his hands, he's agile and quick, he can change directions quickly, he can jump, this kid could be a talented athlete. So help him with that, right? But don't punish him because you were a shitty athlete and you want him to be better than you were. Don't punish him for that, right? That's the uh, one of the first things I ask whenever a parent brings their adolescent in who wants to get training. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking probably lower than 12, lower than 13. Mm-hmm. I look at the kid and I say, do you want to be here? That's the first thing I ask because I tell that parent if that I get any idea that that child does not want to be in that weight room, I don't want to train them. Right, of course. For that very reason. Because that's immoral. About. It's immoral, yeah. It's immoral to do that to a kid. Exactly. Do you make the kid parent leave when you ask that question? Well. You should. I should. I should. You should. But here's the thing about it. If that child does not want to be there, I know it in that first training session. Sure. I know in that first training session. and It's easy to it's tell. It's easy to tell. And I'll tell the parent. It's easy to tell. I'll train them when they want to be here. Don't force them to be in here. And, I, you know, this kid's not ready for this. No. That's probably the best way to say it right, to them. Yeah. Kid's not ready for this <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yet might be in a couple of years. Come back, talk to me then. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I can't help you right now. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that's the best way to deal with that. I think I've only experienced right. that once, though, honestly. Well, most kids are, you know, they think it's cool. Yeah. They think it's cool to be in a gym. Mm-hmm. What nine-year-old kid wouldn't think it's cool to get to train at mm-hmm. Wichita Falls Athletic Club? You know? You know, um, you know, I mean, the gym is famous. Yeah. You know, and here's a kid, if he's got the internet, he's probably looked it up and he's, you know, he thinks it's kind of cool to get to be in this room full of barbells with these big, strong guys, you know. This, uh, it's, Most kids think that's neat. Yeah, and this is off-subject, on-subject. Also, just being a good example to your kid. If your kid sees your work ethic where you go in the gym and you put in the work, you're not a fat piece of shit. You put in the work. Mm-hmm. You do your squats. You do your presses. And they look up and say, hey, you're a big, strong guy, Dad. I want to be like you. Right. Be a good role model. Be a good role model, but don't mistake the two processes. Mm-hmm. The process by which you train. Mm-hmm. And the process by which your kid over here must approach the barbell because they're two different things. And the reason for that is the age of the child. Mm -hmm. All right? You've got an 8-year-old kid that wants to go out in the garage with daddy and squat. Fine. Let him do it. Show him how to squat. Work on his technique. One of the primary things that we find when we're training children is that they are very bad at controlling the eccentric phase of the movement pattern. They, they fall into the bottom of the squat instead of controlling themselves on the way down. All of them will do that. And they have to be taught to control the eccentric descent into a squat and from the top of a deadlift and from the top of a press. And they have to be taught to not bounce the bar off their chest when they bench press. All this stuff got to be taught to them. Before anything else takes place, they have to learn the correct execution of the movement pattern. And if you're not good at teaching things like that, um, well, here's a, here's a good opportunity for you to get better at it. Mm-hmm. 
because you don't want to farm your eight-year-old kid out to a coach that's you know unless he just needs it to just learn basic movement patterns learn how to teach the stuff this is let him teach you some stuff right, right. let him teach you some stuff by by you instructing him in the correct method of doing these doing these exercises right but that's the first thing that's going to be different all right now as the kid gets older he's going to be more receptive to your coaching all right because i mean how many five-year-old kids are actually listening to you (laughs) they're not listening to you they're thinking about other shit you know five-year-old kids aren't listening eight-year-old kids are probably not listening barely barely you know by the time a kid gets to tanner stage four and you're going to just look this up that's when we in the in the business of training kids like this is that's when we that's when we can start handing them programming that looks like training that looks like incremental increases in stress under the bar tanner stage four now what is the tanner stage tanner scale of sexual maturity uh good wikipedia page on this works for men and women boys and girls tanner stages one through five all right i'm tanner stage five an eight-year-old kid under normal circumstances is tanner stage one and you you look at telltale signs that indicate sexual maturity hair patterns that kind of shit right and uh all of these things are are, going to vary slightly with the individual but Tanner stage four is indicative of sex hormone levels that are at a level sufficient to aid in the anabolic process of recovering from physical stress. All right. And that typically happens. Tanner stage four is, is occasionally you'll find a 12 year old at Tanner stage four. Uh, you'll normally find 15-year-olds at Tanner Stage 4. By the time a person is 16, probably 95% of the human race is at Tanner Stage 5 by the time they're 16. But there are always exceptions, and you and this is terribly critical. If you put an 8-year-old kid on a novice linear progression, you're that's not going to work it's not going to work they can't recover from it they can't an eight-year-old kid can't go up five pounds on his squat three days a week he can't do it right if you're stupid enough to make him try uh that kid will never go in the weight room the rest of his life Yeah, everybody's going to be frustrated as hell yeah everybody everybody's going to be frustrated especially the kid kid. and you You'll be frustrated too, because you didn't do your homework. Mm-hmm. So the question, the question then is, uh, um, I mean, we should talk about this. So what's the value then of having a eight, nine, ten, eleven year old doing this stuff? Because I think that I mean there is value, obviously. So I think we should discuss that. Uh, you know, why why would somebody pay Rusty whatever it is he charges a month to train their ten year old if they can't actually quote unquote train right? Well. The value in it is that 
things besides strength, and we say this all the time, things besides strength are learned under the bar. Yeah. There's a, there's a, now, there's a small strength. There's, I, I mean, yeah. there's going to be a strength yeah. increase, yeah. even in a 10-year-old kid. Sure. And to my take on the strength increase on the small child is it has to be slow. Yes. One pound, one pound every other workout, maybe one pound a week. That's fine. And well, you base it. How do you do it? Do you? I mean, when I was when I was training all those kids, I was mm-hmm. basing it on their technique. Like yeah, if their technique exactly. was holding, yes. we'd make the next jump. That's exactly it. And then if, if and the jump might be a pound, it might be yeah. a pound. And you then know. you, as the coach, make sure to show the child. The difference in the numbers yes. over time, right. because yes. this is an extremely important lesson mm-hmm. that goes way beyond the barbell. That's you accumulate adaptation, you accumulate process, mm-hmm. right? Incrementally, yes. yep. you accumulate an increase in ability and strength and everything else incrementally over time Mm -hmm. just like piano lessons and the kids always want to push more they always always want to do more and that's that's what i was about to say you know uh, even even if they're not making those huge gains you show them over six weeks hey we put 15 pounds over on the bar they get stoked about that sure they do they they get proud of themselves everybody worth a shit yes enjoys that everybody adults kids everybody enjoys making progress yes so the the coach's role at this level in a younger child is to instill in that kid an appreciation of the process of accumulating progress now it, it is impossible to stress enough how important that can be for the rest of the child's life, mm-hmm. for the rest of the child's exposure to any activity. Mm-hmm. If you learn that when you're a kid, that we're going to start right here and we're going to go up. Little at a time. But we're going up. And you have to work for it. And you have to work for it. If you want those victories, and you, you have, have to, to pay attention to things like your technique. Mm-hmm. When the weight went up a pound when you're tempted to just fall into the bottom, that all of that concentration on technique and proper execution, all of that's important, and all of that must be paid attention to. Mm-hmm. And if a kid learns that when he's 10, yeah, think of the benefits. Yeah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. it's huge. Think of the benefits. All of our kids that are in the gym are making A's in school, mm-hmm. aren't they? I got one or two shitheads, but for the most part. <laughs> for the most part, the one or two shitheads are just shitheads. Well, they're not They're not doing it. They're doing it on purpose. Yeah. Oh, no, no. They're that's, bright that's exactly, kids. No, no. They're bright I, kids. I completely agree with you. Right. I and I know who you're talking you. about, yeah. too. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you, you teach a 10-year-old kid this important fact mm-hmm. that progress in anything can be progress in anything is up to you mm-hmm. progress in anything is due to your volitional pursuit of increasing difficulty on a task mm-hmm. right it's 
it's your responsibility and it's within your ability to get better in anything you start off doing anything and you know studying lifting weights you know on a on a personal anecdote uh, about coaching these kids that do see that that do finally see where they're all that work is starting to pay off you know um uh, colt he clean and jerked 50 nice. and his form was Make immaculate sure and as a coach, when you see that and you see how happy and proud that kid is of themselves, mm-hmm. uh, my, my stepdaughter, the first time she pulled 100 pounds, mm-hmm. she was so fucking proud of herself. Sure. And that right there is why I really enjoy t- coaching the kids because oh, I yeah. get to see that, that confidence. Yeah, because you, if you hand a kid that age the ability – to control their destiny. Mm-hmm. And I, that sounds grandiose and shit, but it's not. It's, it's the truth. That's the truth. If you hand a kid that age the ability to control what happens to them for the rest of their lives, then I don't know how you do better than that. I don't know how you raise a kid better than that. There's I didn't have that handed to me when I was a kid, you know. All of these these conclusions have just fallen into place over the last 20 or 30 years for me. But when we see kids come into the gym and we see them, uh, we see this process applied to them. Where are we today? How can we better improve this movement pattern today? Mm-hmm. What does it take for the kid to make the squat look better than it did today? And now... Next time we train, we're going to go up a pound. And then it dawns on the kid. Pound at a time. Yeah. Well, anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You just have to pay attention to the details. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's how you get anything accomplished. It's how you get anything accomplished. That's and, right. the, it, and when it dawns on them, like, if I work hard, I can get that number up. That's if right. I work hard, I can get that number up. And as you said, when that goes into adulthood, that pays dividends. Right. It, it, it is. It's possible to overstate the importance of that. Yeah. It, it really, really honestly is. Mm-hmm. Because there's, there's not many things like – there's not many things that will give you that same effect because in a team sport, you know, everybody thinks the team sports are going to do the same thing or even individual nah, sports. But and it's, they're not. It's really. too – you know, it, it relies too much on the uh, on the performance of other people and you can always hang back, right? It's not – I mean, here, it's just – we talk about this with adult training all the time, but it's this right right front and center and it's very obvious to everybody involved that you're, you're – uh, the – the result is a is a direct correlation to what you put into it. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's yeah, right. for for a, for a kid with a the developing brain who thinks um who thinks that uh that they have no control over everything anything, right? Right. Um this is uh this is powerful shit where you can You know, and a, and a kid in a shitty home situation mm-hmm. oh, for sure. may well have no control over anything that happens in the yeah, home. That's yep. right. But they come to the gym right. mm-hmm. and they are in complete and total control of the outcome of today's workout and the outcome of the previous month's workouts and the outcome of their training program for the rest of their lives. Right. They are in complete and total control of that. And that hands a the most powerful tool that you can hand a human being. 
Yeah, no shit. You know, it's, you know, here we talk about kids training like it's no big deal, but I'm, it's, it is the biggest deal there is. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why you don't have all all the kids doing it, right? Because it's a, as usual, you know, it's a hard thing. And it's a a hard thing. Not every kid's going to be able to see the importance of it, Mm -hmm. but those that appreciate it, those that come to their parents and say, dad, can I, can I squat with you today? Yeah. You know. The answer is yes. The answer, yes. Yes. Be, yes. Yes. You can squat with me. And today. this is what this is of why. Of course you can. Go, go back to saying, don't be a piece of shit. Train yourself. As right. a parent, you need to be putting an example. Sure. When your kid says, hey, I want to go squat, you should be competent enough to be like, okay, you can come squat with me. Yeah. And, and, prior to that you have to be squatting yourself exactly that's exactly what i mean right yeah you ought to be training with weights if you're not training with weights if for no other reason you want to set a good example for your kid and i hope that that this little discussion today turns on the light about why you ought to be setting an example for your kids and the effects of handing your kid this most powerful tool for self-improvement that you can hand them and it's learned under the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's not learned under the bar, and not ruining you know? it by being overbearing and yeah. forcing and not, it. And don't right? be an asshole to your kid. Understand the level of maturation of the kid. An eight-year-old is not treated like a thirteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, now if you, you don't know that, I don't know how to help you. But that's <laughs> you know, you you've got to you got to understand that as your kid matures, you expect more of them. Right. Yeah. Right. And, look, and if, you, if the kid is young, you don't expect an inordinate amount from them. You and, don't treat yeah. them like little adults because they're not. And uh, if if you're a coach and you're training these kids and you have – and like at me, 4, 4 p.m. comes around, I get a bunch of kids. 6 a.m., I get a bunch of kids. You need to be able to talk to a 15-year-old differently than when you turn around and you're coaching that 10-year-old. Right. You need to be able to switch switch that switch. Sure. And um, you can't treat them all the same. You cannot. You will. If you yell at a 10-year-old like you're yelling at the 15-year-old, you're going to fuck that 10-year-old up. Yep. Yeah, they got to be treated differently. Mm-hmm. They've got to because they're, they're unable to uh, process things at the same level when they're 10 as they are when they're 15. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Right? Duh. But not everybody gets that. Not everybody remembers themselves mm-hmm. from 10 to 15. Yeah. You know, I don't talk to people don't remember Wyatt. them themselves when they were kids. Yeah, I don't but talk to Wyatt like I would talk to Blaine. Right. You know, I uh, it's it's you have to know how to do that if you're coaching kids. Right. You have to. The other benefit is that as as the kids grow, so if they if they start early, you know, they're on board, they like it, they're doing it. You're gonna as the coach really sometimes you're you're almost holding the kid back so they're not they're not overreaching because they all want to go too fast right but sure but what you'll see you know because you, you don't really ne- you don't necessarily have to know like that you know where i mean you can you can tell when a kid is ready to actually start training hard yeah. but what happens is you know you're you're working with this kid he gets older he gets bigger all of a sudden their movement starts to look much tighter much mm-hmm. much cleaner and then all of a sudden you can add more weight to the bar very very right, quickly right, and now right. and now you're training right so you don't right. have to necessarily now we're training because now their knees aren't wiggling around the bar yeah. path is the same every time yeah their elbows come to the same place before the press starts yeah. every time. all this stuff becomes more and more standardized as they develop the skill to control the movement pattern going back to the benefits of training that younger kid that can't run an lp like a 16 year old kid can um when you're adding one pound a week maybe two pounds a week and then out of nowhere you're like you know what today we're going to put five pounds on, on the bar 
they light up. Oh, and yeah. Then, and that's when they understand all that work, all that psychological work you did when you were just putting a pound on every week. Now they're like, oh, I can do five pounds of workout now. That's a different game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They realize, hey, I'm kind of getting grown up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm making progress in the gym. And you've already built that confidence you know? whenever they were little. And then now they don't have to go over those hurdles of confidence right. and technique. Now you can actually just go straight into training and get them stronger. And the most important thing about training with weights that that explains all of this stuff, if you think about it correctly, is the fact that there are numbers associated with training. Training, the way we advocate training, generates data. It doesn't matter how the kid feels. It just matters what the kid does. And this is why he needs to learn as early as possible that it doesn't matter how your warm-ups felt. It doesn't matter if you're sore or tired or sad or something else is wrong what matters is can you get under the bar and do the weight the numbers that you're supposed to do today can you do that kid comes in feels like shit he's been in a fight with his little brother and mom's gonna ground him and all this other shit right and and he comes into the gym and he's not paying any attention his attention is distracted and you as the coach you know hit him in the back of the head and say listen here we are this is your last warm-up and you're going to squat a brand new weight today can you do it or not ask him can you do it or not well i don't know you know i'm 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 all i'm worried about all that other stuff goes away Here you are right now. This is going to happen a lot in your life. Here you are right now. Can you do it or not? Last time I asked you to do it, you did it. What makes you think today is any different? Now get under the bar and show me the last rep of this set of five with this brand new weight. So he he musters his guts up and he squishes all of the stuff out of the way. He gets under the bar, and he does all of the reps, and he racks it, having completed the fifth rep of what he didn't really want to do, but that he could do. And you knew he could do it because of his previous training history, right? Now, what did he learn? That's an incalculably valuable lesson. Yep. That the kid learned. And the barbell is the tool for this learning. Mm -hmm. The barbell is the tool. And I don't know of another tool that is that starkly quantitative. Right? You got the kid in gymnastics. Yeah, he gets better at gymnastics. But what's the measurement of him getting better at gymnastics? I don't think there's as direct a measurement in any activity. Mm That's exactly right. As there is under the bar, because the weight on the bar equals a number. And when that number goes up, he is getting stronger. Mm -hmm. When the number goes up, he's producing more force to lift it. 
And as a result of him lifting more weight, his body grows stronger in response to that stress, and then he does it again. And that is the accumulation of an adaptation. And the accumulation of an adaptation is the foundation for physical development and for intellectual development. And for intellectual development and for emotional development. All right? Now, I, I hear some of you, you know, Harvard professors out there yelling, laughing at the, you know, I, the, you can't equate the physical exercise with the tremendous satisfaction that I obtained from being a <laughs> Harvard professor. <laughs> Well, you know what? This is what I think about you, Harvard <laughs> professor. You're a fucking pussy. That's what I think. I think you have avoided things in your life that you shouldn't have avoided. And our kids at the gym learn that they don't avoid anything, mm-hmm. that they get under the bar, and they at least try mm-hmm. to do it. And they try with the tools we have supplied them. And the tools we have supplied them are the technical expertise they need to correctly execute the movement pattern and a a recognition that this process of adding a pound to the bar has been working for about a year and a half. So why wouldn't it work today? The, um, this this right? definitely isn't me tuning my own horn, but I have really good client uh, retention, <coughs> especially with my kids. So I've been seeing a lot of them grow up. Yeah. And, you know, I've started kids training 10. Now they're 14. Now they're 15. Um, and there's nothing about coaching that is more satisfying than seeing that process complete itself over the course of of a kid's development Mm -hmm. now you can see that process complete itself if you start them at 18 Mm -hmm. and you stay with them till they're 22 23 Mm -hmm. or you can see that process complete it complete itself if you start them when they're 12 Mm -hmm. like chase started chase um isaac i've seen isaac grow into a young smart strong man yes and that as a coach that makes me proud and going back to what you're talking about doing hard things there are times whenever a kid that i know i've been training for a long time i know they love doing this they come in they don't want to do it and sometimes you got to look at them in the eye and say hey sometimes we got to do hard shit when we don't want to do it right and going back it carries into their adult life where they say sometimes i gotta do hard shit (laughs) every single time i remember chase little fair-haired little kid child pressed 405 yeah how many how many men in the united states can press 405 (laughs) at a body weight of 242 Mm. he may be the only one maybe yeah. yeah he may be the only one and the process is what enabled him to do that the process he learned when he was little works now Now, he's got a base of experience to draw on that very, very few people possess. And, uh, you know, you've – I mean, he's up in Oklahoma now. Mm -hmm. Get him to coach you. Chase Lindley at starting strength. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Yeah. But, you know, this – 
this is a this is a, a a terribly important thing and there aren't many places where this kind of a learning experience is available besides under the bar and i just sitting here right now off the top of my head i can't think of one right <clears throat> you know i maybe there are swim coaches that emphasize time to that extent you know there there may be i don't see how you do that with gymnastics or anything right. like that right uh, yep but the 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 most obvious way to quantify progress in response to physical stress is with a bar on your back a bar in your hands that's the most obvious logical way to quantify this process and if you can quantify that process and learn it and learn that it works and appreciate the power of your personal control over the outcome of what you do then when you encounter a problem professionally when you're 35 years old you already know what to do you already understand how to fix this five pounds at a time right until you fix everything five pounds at a time yeah people people uh people understand how processes work and how they're supposed to work but uh, nothing there's not many things that give you a uh, real-time objective real uh, real-time feedback loop in terms of uh a process that you're putting yourself through that tells you whether or not it's working right so and, and if you can do that at a young age it's uh it's it's uh, it's a big deal mm-hmm. i mean it's <clears throat> starting lifting weights at 12 in, in uh or 13 in high school was uh uh it, it was it, it it i mean it put me where i am today you know because you you like you said you always have that experience to draw from you, you know you don't know how to do something it's just where am i right now a little bit of progress a little bit more progress you know and and it just builds on it, it that success builds on itself yeah the reason people ask the question a lot of times is because they're worried about barbell training being whether so so the subtext is when they say when can i start training my kids the subtext is when is it safe when is safe, it safe yep, when is to it train safe? my kids so when you compare barbell training to almost any other sport on the face of the earth and you compare barbell training especially to like the speed school or, mm-hmm. or where you're going to send your kids to do strength and conditioning mm-hmm. um it, you know that it, it's just obvious that uh, i don't know why it's not obvious to people who ask the question but the barbell training is perfectly safe there's nothing inherently it's, dangerous there's about nothing the inherently dangerous about a about a 12 year old kid doing a correct squat yeah, yeah. nothing yeah and i don't care what your pediatrician tells you mm-hmm. right Pediatricians are the most poorly educated medical professionals in the entire industry. Yeah. Let me say that again. (laughs) Pediatricians are the most poorly prepared, poorly educated professionals in the entire medical industry. Any physician that tells you that epiphyseal fracture is is a primary concern about kids lifting weights is a fool. Yeah. Ask that individual, how many epiphyseal fractures have you treated in your professional career, doctor? <laughs> how many have you treated? And what was the outcome of that epiphyseal fracture? 
You know what it did? It healed up Just into like an epiphysis else. again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you, uh, epiphysis, fracture, look it up on Wikipedia, okay? You are, uh, Growth plate injuries, mm-hmm. all right? You're uh, rightfully pissed about that. I was oh. uh, again. I'm going to use my personal experience. I was right. I was 15 years old, a junior in high school, weighing 200 and probably 30 pounds, and benching over 300 pounds, playing football, and I had a pediatrician tell me I was going to injure myself yes. lifting weights. Lifting weights. Even though I played football, but football was fine. No, perfectly fine. Football, yeah, go, soccer. Go sl- Go slam uh, perfectly into, fine. Soccer's yeah. perfectly fine. Nobody ever gets hurt playing soccer, do they? <laughs> God damn it. It's just <laughs> yeah, I mean I, 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 I have dealt with these people for a very long time. I've been in the gym business now for about forty years. And I have dealt with these idiots over and over and over again with my clients and their parents. And they're pediatricians. And I've heard some of the most stupid things out of the mouths of pediatricians. There was a guy here. I had a kid a long time ago who was a good kid. Great, big, tall, big, strong kid. He was 12 years old, and he was 5'8". Wow. And and he was a – you know, he's like 6'5 or 6 now. This kid was – but he was not explosive. He was not an athlete. Right. And – uh, he came into the gym one day and said, "You know, I went to uh, went to my doctor today. <laughs> Mom and Dad took me to the doctor. His father was a physician. Uh, they took me to the doctor, and uh, he told me, and I remember this just like it was yesterday. The doctor told me, you know." I'd hate to see you jeopardize your career in athletics by doing a bunch of weightlifting. <laughs> this kid had no more of a chance to have a career in athletics than I had having a career in brain surgery. <laughs> okay? But he's a good kid. He tried real hard in the gym. He just wasn't physically talented. But he actually, his doctor, knowing no more about it than that, he didn't know anything about the kid, and he didn't know anything about weight training. That's right. Yeah. But he was perfectly satisfied with his authority. Right. And the and kid is just, probably – God damn it, that's irritating. The kid probably would have been fine, but it's the parents, right? The parents freak out when yeah. the when – the, Oh, yeah. When 100%. The, when well, the doctor, says, well, he is a doctor. Yeah, when the you doctor know. says something. Adderall, he is a doctor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, the, uh, over the years and how many kids I've trained at the athletic club, I can honestly say I've never had an injury with a kid. Not in the gym. Not in the gym. Not and, in the gym. But here's the thing. Then I will have kids come back from their athletics program in their fucking high school and say, Rusty, I can't train today. Why? We did 100 leg presses today. What? In 100 leg presses. Why? Why? Yeah. And and you have to say to the kid, I want you to remember for the rest of your life that I didn't tell you to do those <laughs> yeah. oh, leg no. presses. They, that wasn't me. Oh, they know. Right? They know. And they know that. Yeah. They know that. Kids know better than anybody how stupid high school strength coaches are. 
We see this all the time. Mm-hmm. We just got two or three high schools here in Wichita Falls. Hell, I can't keep track of what they're doing now. They remember the but uh, that but the writer yeah, here in town has never had an intelligent person managing their weight room. Extremely order. confident in their <laughs> incompetence. It, it, well. Confident in their incompetence. Remember that. Remember the. Uh, the banded power power cleans with bands, power cleans with bands, and, and the jumping squats were my all time jumping favorite. squats with bands. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this kid had two hundred thirty pounds, two hundred twenty five pounds on his back, on his back, doing and jumping bands squats, doing, doing jumping squats. squats. Yeah. So you want to know where? No, you can't get hurt doing that. You want to know where weightlifting gets its <laughs> reputation for hurting kids? It's high school coaches. High school coaches. Yeah. Right. And then the and then the CSCS down the road with the uh, with the speed school is is not any better. You know. It's the it's the same shit. Well, he so, just he just runs these kids. Parents like seeing that. Yeah, uh, people, parents can understand running. Yeah, you know that five more pounds on a squat is not that's not understandable to people that haven't done that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, and again, running is, looks like sports. And th- again, this is why I you say know? as a parent, you need to educate and train yourself. Well, that's the worst. So you part know the is, difference. That's the worst part is talking to a, a parent who, who whose child is an athlete, and they want to tell you when we're you know how how's he going to work on this or this you know mm-hmm. the timing and the, yeah, and how is this going to help him with this and it's, this. And that's, it, that's at football practice. Yeah, yeah, that's what football practice is for. Mm-hmm. But football practice is not going to make him stronger. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make him stronger, so that when he goes to football practice. He's better able to execute, and he's less likely to, to get, get hurt. hurt. Right. Yes. Yep. But, you know. Man, I don't know. I don't know. The the, the, the training kids thing is, uh, you know, it's a parenting problem <laughs> that we have to overcome for them. Well, it's so number it's, one, it's, uh, number one, it's perfectly safe. Nothing yeah. wrong with doing the lifts. Nothing wrong with teaching the kids at, at the young youngest age. You know, my kids were fucking around with a PVC pipe or a wooden dowel in in a fifteen pound bar when they were babies, right? Because they were watching mom and dad do the thing. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, number two, they training actually doing an aggressive strength program that's forcing an adaptation forcing a strength adaptation has to happen at the right time yeah. right right and then yeah. you'll, if, if, if you don't take away anything else from today's discussion you have to understand these two things there's nothing inherently dangerous about the squat the press right. the deadlift the bench press and the power clean and some chins you can't get hurt correctly performing those movement patterns now correctly performing them is a function of who is teaching right right the material to your kids who is teaching the material to your kids can be the wrong guy all right can be the wrong individual and just because they have a college education in whatever does not make them qualify oh, no, to no, teach no, those no. lifts. There's not a I yeah, I can't hardly say. There are 98% of of PE degrees that graduate from from a four-year program in college with a degree in physical education that know how to teach any of those five exercises. 98% of them have the slightest idea how to do it. Yeah. And the 2% that do know how are the ones that we're training. Yeah. Right. Most PE majors don't train. No. They play. Yeah. They practice a sport. But they don't know anything about training. They don't know the difference between training and practice. They have no idea that there are two separate things involved there. 
Hell, the entire time I was in high school, I could only think of two coaches that I knew lifted weights. Just two. Right. And they knew how to do a, oh, do, do a squat. Just, you know? High school coaches, former jocks. Mm -hmm. That's who they are. They didn't want to not ever be a jock. So they're a high school coach. It's funny because right. I really wanted to be a high school coach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. So those two things. Mm -hmm. Weight training is safe if it's done correctly. And the intensity with which training is pursued has got to be dependent upon the tanner stage that the kid is in when this question is addressed. Mm -hmm. right. If he's not in tanner stage four, he's not ready to train in the sense that we mean the word train. And like Nick said earlier, you will know when that happens. Like just just by the way they move, the way they're performing an exercise, you will know. You will know when it's time to say, okay, let's throw a five pound five pounds on that bar. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that about covers it. Uh, you know, those of you with, with further questions about this, get a hold of us. Uh, or come to a seminar. You know, we but we talk about this all weekend at the seminar. The things that are pertinent to your understanding of training and your understanding of its application to the individual. And it, it, every individual approaches training a little bit differently. A little bit differently. The principles are universal, but the application is individual. Well, I hope that clears up some stuff for you. Um, training kids comes up all the time and these are our thoughts on this and I think that was fairly comprehensive and if you've got any other questions uh, get a hold of us at at startingstrength.com post questions on the board whatever you think you need to do to get an answer but just remember a kid can a kid can lift weights but it takes an older kid to train it's perfectly safe either way all right thank you for being with us again on starting strength radio we'll see you next time